You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to episode 159 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. Got a good show for everybody today, getting it out on time this week. Uh, we got, of course, the, the standard stuff, the breakdown, all the rugby you can watch, a great interview with Steve Cluley coming up here in a minute. Um, and then if you stick around to the end, we're announcing the winner of the, the DNVR hat, t-shirt, and uh, Adam Hughes' new book, This Is Rugby. So stick around for that. Listen, see if you won, if you entered on Twitter. We're going to start the show with a breakdown, and the breakdown is brought to you by O'Neill's. O'Neill's is the official sportswear supplier to the biggest teams in world rugby, Infinity Park, and the American Raptors. Shop apparel now at O'Neill's.com. That's O-N-E-I-L-L-S.com. So starting off with the American Raptors, the Raptors fell to Life University last weekend, 33-22. to uh, Lots of guys are banged up. We're on tour with the Falcons right now. So they were playing a ton of new guys. The result didn't go the way that they wanted to, but it's good experience for those guys to gain. Nonetheless, uh, you got to learn somehow, and you, sometimes you just got to jump in the fire and play, play against a good team like life, and that's what happens. So the Raptors are back in action this weekend with a match against Seattle Rugby Club at Starfire Stadium in Tequila, Washington, one of my favorite venues of all time. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for the Seattle Rugby Club because they've been the one team that consistently lines up to play the Raptors. I think this will be the fifth time that the two teams have met in the last two years, one year actually. Uh, and it has not gone Seattle's way, but at a time when the Raptors are desperate for matches, Seattle always answers a bell, so I'm appreciative for that. Um, so we're going to be keeping an eye on that one. I don't think it's streamed. I haven't seen anything that says it's streamed, but we'll be following from afar. Um, and in some other Raptors news, talked a little bit about it last week, but Lene Latu, Ethan McVeigh, and Ronan Murphy all saw action in the USA Falcons two-match tour in Uruguay, played against Argentina and Uruguay, academy sides, Neither of those matches went the Falcons' way. They were on the wrong side of some pretty big score lines. But uh, Lene Latu got a start at fly half in both of those matches and put some points on the board with his kicking, which is awesome to see. Tavius Sykora Mathis also was was made the trip. I, I'm not sure. I didn't see him on the roster at the time, so I'm not sure if he's dinged up or something like that. Um, but Caleb Geiger, he got to play for about 15 minutes for the USA Falcons' A side against the Toyota Cheetahs in South Africa last Friday as a part of the Toyota Challenge. Again, result did not go uh, the Falcons way, but it's good to see Caleb get some some time with the big boys. 
And the broadcasters in that match were pretty fired up to see him come into the match. So when he came in, they got excited, and uh, they talked about his football background. And, and every time he almost touched the ball, uh, they were on the edge of their seats. You could hear the excitement in their voice, which was cool. Uh, so hopefully he gets another crack at it tomorrow on Friday when the Falcons take on the Airlink Pumas. We'll talk a little bit more about that match when we get to all the rugby you can watch coming up here in a few minutes. But before we do that, we got to talk about what's going on in the ML MLR. Nobody really knows. Um, I, I don't know any more than anyone else, really, uh, because the Major League Rugby rumor is, is working double time this week. And I'll read you a few threads that kind of kicked all this stuff up um, on Monday. And the first one is from Adam Ash, who's a Scotland international and second rower for the Giltinis that played for the Giltinis from 2020 to 2022. He tweeted this on Monday, really feeling for the players and staff at the Giltinis. Over four months has passed since the team was eliminated for, uh, uh, from the Major League Rugby, all the people within the organization have been heavily discouraged about speaking out regarding this subject. The players and staff are the ones suffering here. From what I understand, there has been no contact, support, or communications from the league or the owner to the players. Apparently, they have until Thursday to find a buyer or it's over. One last chance at advertising the buying opportunity. The team and group were an unbelievable bunch. What a shame it would be for it to finish like this. So... He tweeted that on Monday. People kind of digested it because, I mean, I'm kind of included. It's always been like, oh, I wonder what's going on with that. But um, I, I kind of thought stuff was going on behind the scenes, and apparently that's not the case. And then one day after Adam Ash tweeted that, the USA Rugby Players Association tweeted this thread. Given the circumstances of the last few months, the USRPA sympathizes. I've been having such a hard time saying sympathizes. Sympathizes with the Giltinis and the Gilgronis players, staff, and families. In light of the recent events, we have noted the following. LA and Austin players were informed this week both teams haven't yet found buyers. Players and staff are owed large sums of money. Medical bills and rent left unpaid by the team are going to collections under the players' names. Players and families have been asked to vacate team apartments with only day's notice. The league waited five months to act and will now put players in a dispersal draft, which will see players being allocated to teams for far, far less than their market value because many team rosters are already close to complete. Many players may not have a say in where they play. The players' first official contact from the league regarding the situation happened today. This was on Tuesday. Players in contact with the league have not received actionable responses. We expect the league to show transparency and understanding with players and staff tied to this unfortunate situation. The livelihood and career of 80-plus players, staff, and their families are in jeopardy. Transparency and action is necessary. So there's a lot of bad in that thread, but one thing I found interesting uh, was the piece about MLR not having any contact with the players affected by that situation until that thread came out, which was on Tuesday. So that's two days ago. I'm recording this on Thursday. This has been going on for five months. That's crazy that they haven't heard anything. So these people are just kind of like waiting in the wings. Um, I know I've seen some stuff in the past, like Giltini's players were operating under the assumption that they were going to have a team. Uh, things were going to go on as planned. That doesn't seem to be the case. And just based on the timing of that threat alone, right, it seems like Adam Ash's tweets were what put pressure on the league to finally do something and, and reach out because he's the one that said, you know, they have been heavily discouraged about speaking out about the issue. Um, but something's going on. He tweets out on Monday, the very next day, the league talks to the players, according to this USA Rugby Players Association thread. That's insane. And it sounds like it only happens because Adam Ash tweeted about it. And that's bananas to me. So 
I reached out to a couple of people I know. I feel like would have they would have some knowledge about all this. I know they have some knowledge about us. And what I've gathered, a lot of the info in that thread is true, unfortunately. Um, but there are also a bunch of other rumors flying around, and that could lead into the fact why MLR is being so quiet. Rumors like Commissioner George Killebrew is out as the commissioner, um, which could make sense, right? If there's no like true leader right now, why this is nothing's being done about this, or why they're kind of like sitting on their hands. It's just unfortunate because it's, you know, you know things are happening, right? Your players are going to report. Teams are going to report for the MLR season in like two months. I know when the Raptors were in MLR, um, training camp always started around Christmas, right around Christmas, New Year's time. And that's coming quick. That's in two months. There's also rumors that Chicago is going to join the league next season. I don't know if any of those are true. Um, but I guess it would make some sense if you're you're taking a step back and you're really looking at things objectively. I don't know if that's true. I can con- confirm some of the stuff I heard. You know, some of the stuff in that in that uh, USA Rugby Players Association thread. Um, but that's really all I know. And it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, man. I, we're gonna see how it all plays out. Um, like I said, I'm recording this podcast on Thursday afternoon. It's been radio silent from MLR. So if today is actually the day um, that these these teams need to be sold by. You know, you'd think you'd see something or hear something, but I guess that's just not how rugby works. Um, and if Chicago is being added, I, I would be surprised that they haven't announced it sooner because, again, why would they not be involved in the, the collegiate draft? Why would they not, you know, already have some momentum going? Kind of like Dallas did, right? Like, I feel like in the past I could go back and look, but this stuff seems to have been, you know, made official a little bit earlier than two months before the season's about to get going and teams report for preseason all that good stuff, so. Crazy times. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on it. That's all we can do. But it sucks. I hope that the players and, and coaches and staff and the families of these people um, are treated fairly, like I said in my tweet the other day, but that just doesn't really seem to me in the cards right now. Um, but we can wish. So keep an eye on it. Wishing the best for, for everybody involved, obviously. Um, and, and that's all we can do. So... That does it for the breakdown. We're going to move into all the rugby you can watch this weekend. All the rugby you can watch this weekend is brought to you by Wintergreen. Wintergreen loves rugby and wants to support USA Rugby's mission of uniting an inclusive, passionate rugby community to grow the sport of rugby in America. Wintergreen gels, creams, sprays, and soaks are made with wintergreen oils and other therapeutic natural oils that help to soothe and support sore muscles and joints to keep you at your best. Visit wintergreensport.com to purchase the products you need to help you prepare to win. So we've got the USA Women's Eagles, uh, obviously, in the midst of the World Cup. We've been talking about it all month. And they take on Canada in round three on Saturday at 8 p.m. Obviously a big match. Anytime USA plays Canada, so one they, they definitely want to win. They need to have a big performance uh, to advance, so we're all going to be rooting them on. You can catch that match on Saturday at 8 p.m. on Peacock as well as the rest of the, the Rugby World Cup, so make sure you're tuning in. Uh, talked about it a little bit at the top of the show, but you got the USA Falcons uh, they're taking on the Airlink Pumas in the second leg of the Toyota Challenge. I think it's the last one. That's on Friday at 8.45 a.m. You can catch that on Flow Rugby. Premiership Rugby, uh, you catch that all weekend on Peacock as well. Bunnings NPC Final, Canterbury versus Wellington on Saturday at midnight. You can watch that on Flow Rugby. Uh, Rugby Europe Super Cup Top 14 URC and uh, Life versus BYU. Some college rugby, you can catch all that this weekend on Flow Rugby, Life Takes on BYU on Saturday at 11. And then we've got Harvard versus Brown, Princeton versus Dartmouth, and Penn State versus St. Bonaventure all on Saturday. Uh, Harvard versus Brown's at 9 a.m. The last two matches are at 11 a.m. You can catch both of those matches on ESPN+. 
Jump in the interview portion of the show now. This interview with American Raptors fullback Steve Cluley is brought to you by Guard Lab. Join the mouthguard revolution with American-made mouthguards that perform, protect, and recover. For more information, visit guardlab.com. Had a really, really awesome conversation with American Raptors fullback Steve Cluley, who's honestly one of the most interesting people I think I've ever interviewed on this podcast. He was a quarterback at William & Mary, uh, played pro football in Germany, uh, had a little stint with the New York Giants, played some indoor football, did a little bit of acting, and uh, was a was a stock trader. Uh, had a has a very interesting life, and he he's about my age. I think he's like 27, 28. Now he's playing rugby, um, and he's taking it super seriously. And and I'm interested to see how he does. I talked a little bit about this, you know, a few months ago. Colby Lange, uh played quarterback at Kentucky. Was kind of like the first true quarterback convert the Raptors are trying to you know transform into a rugby player um, and Steve is the second and and I think he he could be the one to kind of like break the quarterback stigma right he talks a little bit about in the interview so I won't ramble on too much about it um, but a great chat with Steve hopefully you enjoy it I'll ram I'll stop rambling uh, so, you, so you can enjoy this conversation with American Raptors fullback Steve Cluley. all right Pleased to be joined on the show today by American Raptors fullback Steve Cluley. Steve, how's it going, man? It's going good. Enjoying the off day, uh, just getting some recovery, and uh, glad to be here today. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I know I feel bad asking you guys to do stuff on Wednesday, but sometimes it's the only time I can get you, so I do appreciate you coming in on the day off. Uh, but Steve, the first question we ask everybody that comes on the show is just can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Yeah, so uh, I am born and raised in New Jersey, Monmouth County, so Manasquan, New Jersey, um, spent my whole childhood there and then uh, after that I kind of obviously went to college and ever since I went to college I kind of been bouncing around all over the, the world and the country honestly. Yeah I'm interested to hear about that so uh, before we get there though I know you come from a football background but what other sports did you play growing up? Uh, growing up I kind of my parents kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything especially when I was young soccer baseball we're a big baseball family growing up um, baseball kind of transitioned out early high school football kind of took over and mm -hmm. uh, went from there with the football thing and then uh, it's not really a high school sport but I was, we were big skiers big skiing oh, yeah. family so we were skiing at least once a month in high school and all that so that I consider that a high school sport for myself nice. I know it's a high school sport in the mountains here definitely uh, I, no I, I went to the wrong <laughs> I chose the wrong state to grow up in yeah uh, have you so you've skied here before? Yeah. I, I have, sure yeah. You have, right? Yeah, I was very fortunate skier. growing up. My parents, uh, we had this, I don't know if in Colorado you have the same thing. We had a week off in February. Mm -mm. Um, so my parents would always, we'd go to the Rockies or the Sierra Nevadas or somewhere nice, out here. Man. But it was really cool to Where, experience Where's your that. favorite place to ski here? In Colorado? Might be biased because we got dumped on when we were there, but Breckenridge was pretty uh -huh. awesome. I love Breck. You have a favorite place to ski in the world? I think they're all unique. It's hard. Yeah. I, I, one that really does stand out to me was Big Sky, Montana. Mm -hmm. That was a very uh, eye-opening spot. Very, uh, yeah, not a lot up there. Right. This wilderness. I've never been to Montana. That's what I was telling somebody the other day. I have like Montana and Alaska. That's like the last two states I have in the West. I need to get. And Montana's like right there. I need For to sure. Go. It's close. It's right I around know, the corner. <laughs> Just shoot up the, up the road there. So. Um, moving back into to your football career a little bit, how did you wind up at William & Mary? Uh, so I ended up, uh, you know, the recruiting process in football, I'm not sure how it works in rugby, but it, it got pretty stressful there for a little bit. But mm -hmm. uh, basically, in short, it came down to I had a couple offers from a couple CAA schools. And uh, at the end of the day, William & Mary just felt it felt right to me deep yeah. down. Like I kind of was listening to my gut. 
um, aside from, you know, the academics and the football program and the tradition of that school had, um, it was a pretty easy sell for myself, to be honest with you. I know you just mentioned academics. I was reading up on you on the William and Mary page, you know, the bio, the, for I've sure. scoured a lot of those there. in my life. <laughs> well, one of the, the interesting thing I saw, it says that you served as the president of the math club in high school. What is, I feel like I've only heard like jokes about the math club. So what does a math club do? Like what, what goes on in the math club? And what are your responsibilities as president of the Jeez, math club? That's a throwback right there. I kind of even forgot I was in yeah. the president of the math club, but yeah, no, uh, in high school it was cool. We had a cool group of uh, guys and, um, the teacher who ran it was awesome. And it was more like a social club. We would just get together, go to like elementary schools and, oh, cool. and play like math games with kids for like a field day type thing yeah. here and there. It was nothing crazy. Yeah. I'm not the smartest math guy okay, in the I was world. Ask, like, do you love math? Are you just really good at math? I actually am very good at with numbers, but nice. uh, I, don't, I'm I wouldn't not. say I go sit in my room in my free time and work like, on math yeah, problems. Yeah, work on some equations <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Here. No chance. What did you major in in college then? I was a kinesiology health sciences major. Okay. So uh, originally growing up, I come from uh, two parents who are in the medical field. Um, so I grew up around that. I love the human body, obviously sports with whether it be working out or the injury side of things, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, just always sparked an interest in me. But um, unfortunately, never really went into the medical side of things, kind of yeah. dabbled in the training stuff. But uh, we'll see where life goes from here. But, you know, still got a lot left to go. Very nice. So I don't, you, you go to William & Mary, you're playing quarterback. How was your experience at William & Mary? Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was uh, the greatest four or five years of my life. Um, I was very fortunate to end up playing for three of those uh, seasons. So I got to experience a lot of cool places. Um, obviously, the friendships I developed over there. Uh, lifelong weddings, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, playing football there was just very, very special place. Very a lot of tradition, like I said, with like Mike Tomlin, the Steelers head coach, actually yeah. went to William Mary, Sean McDermott. Oh, so there was a uh, the, the tradition and football culture down there is huge. Just cranking out head coaches and that. Yeah, NFL, I know, right? right? I know. <laughs> Got to maybe go down that path soon. Yeah, have you ever seen the? I think I don't know. I remember like somebody tracking down all the like football guys that came out of like Youngstown, Ohio. Like if you look at the notable residents of Youngstown, Youngstown, Ohio, just on Wikipedia, it's like football coach, football coach, football coach, like all these people. That's kind of crazy. That just is a weird stuff. I don't even know that. <laughs> I'll have to look into that. Yeah, it's a, it's a football coaching. That's another you know, carousel right yeah, there. In, they just push out football coaches there. It is so weird how that cool. works, isn't it? Yes. So this might be the, the, the biggest open-ended question, but what did you do after college? Because it sounds oh. like you've had a, a busy life. So when did you graduate? Yeah, so I graduated in 2017. So okay. I was going to say, I'm a, I'm a little... Oh, sweet. Uh, I did too. Awesome. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Fist so pump. A little older uh, <laughs> uh, of the guy on this team, um, which is cool. And uh, I think I bring a lot of experience in that in that regard, but it doesn't matter. But after college, honestly, i kind of been all over the, the, uh, the country and the world here. Um, Right after college, I graduated actually right after football season, so January. I moved out to San Diego in January. I did the NFL Pro Day training out with uh, Todd Durkin in California. Um, after that, went back for Pro Day, got invited to Giants rookie minicamp, did that. Uh, that was a sweet experience. That's a story mm -hmm. for another time, but uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Did really well. Was very proud of myself and my accomplishments there. Um, Unfortunately, nothing stuck. Obviously, it's very hard to get a contract mm -hmm. in the NFL. Um, from there, I actually tried to join the military after that. Uh, I wanted, one of my dream jobs was to be a fighter pilot. I actually okay. have my pilot's license right now. Oh, nice. So it's kind of a hobby I do on the side, if you want to call it a hobby. But I kind yeah. of want a, a passion, a job, a career I might want to pursue in the future. Um, that didn't work out as well. 
um, for reasons, I don't know, whatever. It was a pain in the butt. But yeah. uh, after that, I ended up getting hit up on Facebook randomly while working for a behavioral health insurance company um, from this team in Frankfurt, Germany called the Frankfurt Universe. Um, at that point in my life, I kind of didn't know where to go. So I, was, I entertained the, the, the conversation. And you know what? The, the offer was pretty damn good. And the idea of living in <laughs> Europe for a couple of years would be awesome. So jumped over there, played in Europe for two seasons, um, came back. COVID hit. I, honestly, I was signed for a third season. COVID hit right when I was supposed to leave. So that got canceled. Now, again, I'm, I'm faced with what do I do now? Right. Um, Would you have rather – were you happy that COVID kind of hit when you did – Were you, like, so you're, you're here and not there, or would you have preferred to kind So of it's it's funny you say that, because you never know where your life would have been yeah. if I had gone back that third season. My life, I know, would have been completely different um, mm-hmm. right now. But everything happens for a reason. I find myself here now, which is amazing. Um, yeah, this organization's been awesome. It's been a cool transition. I'm sure yeah. we'll get more into that. Yeah, definitely. So you so COVID happens, then what do you do? Does this uh, opportunity present itself then? Right, so COVID hit. I don't remember the exact time frame of things, but basically I got a job. I was tra- uh, a broker's assistant at a, what are we going to call it, energy commodities trading firm up by like New York City. So okay. we were tr- like wheeling and dealing, broker and stocks. <laughs> yeah. Um, content was sweet. But yeah, not for me. By noon, you know, my legs are bouncing. I'm tapping the desk like I yeah, need to yeah. go move. Do something. Yeah. Um, so it was cool. And then honestly, I was close with Sean from Pro Day. Sean Clark. Yeah, that's from, on my list. From Pro Day <laughs> training. Um, and then, you know, I was in a situation at that job where I was kind of like, you know, again, I, I don't see myself doing this long term. This is cool for now. But I reached out to Sean. was like, hey, that rugby thing looks kind of cool. Like, what's the deal? Uh, my father actually played rugby, and oh, one of cool. my friends was a big-time rugby guy. So I had a little bit of background, but I wanted to hear about it. And then, uh, yeah, next thing you know, I'm talking to Pete, and now I find myself sitting in this chair right here. Very nice. And, and there, will, correct me if I'm wrong, is there not like uh, – you play like indoor football too somewhere yeah, so, in there, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, I was in San Diego. I should or? have said that. So No, we, you're good. We, me and Pete started talking, but before um, – I actually ended up here. I ended up signing a contract and did an arena football season in San Diego uh-huh. just before I came out here, actually. How was that? It was an interesting experience. It was really yeah. fun. It was cool. Um, for me and my style, it, it wasn't – I wouldn't do it again for me personally in my mm-hmm. career. Um, it wasn't uh, something that – and, I, again, I had a blast. But it wasn't so much football. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. It is, like, obviously, of eight men. That's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah. How different is the football? Because I, I know – you know, they have six-man, eight-man football yeah, way out sure. in the mountains or, like, way out in the country out here. And I've seen people talking about, like, like the, the, the head coach that I played football for in high school was a pretty good head coach, and he was without a job. And people like, oh, you should go coach six-man. He's like, I wouldn't even know what I'm doing. Like, how different is that? Yeah, so it, it was definitely an adjustment period. Um, and that's what I kind of mean. Like, And it's nothing to knock it. It yeah. just isn't for me. Like, again, right. different rules. You have a bunch of eight – you have grown men in this ho- – it's a hockey rink. Right. So it's very fast. And what made me – or what I hang my hat on in as a quarterback was being good as a cerebral player. Like right. I was good at finding – you know, re- running an offense. And, uh, and in the arena league, it was a little harder to do that. The space is so small mm-hmm. that you can't really scheme stuff up the way that I'm used to. Right. So that's the only thing I would say. But uh, from an overall standpoint, it was awesome. We had to live at the Olympic Training Center where oh, we nice. just played. Nice. 
um, the people involved in like the head coach, DC, the players. It was it was just a cool five month experience. Very nice. I remember my dad used to always take me. Like the Colorado Crush were big here when I was a kid, and that was they played at the Pepsi Center. Really, and it was super cheap ticket, but like they were really good. They won the Arena Bowl like one of the years when I was in yeah. like, seventh grade, and it was like. 10 bucks to go, so it would be a Saturday, and my dad would be like, you, you want to, like, call up some of your friends, and we'll go watch the crush? And so it was awesome. Like, they kicked the ball into the stands, and you could keep it, which 100%. you couldn't do at other stuff. Like, I had a good time at all that stuff. No, it's cool. That's what I mean. It's a very – it's cool. Like, I wish they would do somehow get fans more involved. Like, right. that's what it's perfect for. Like, yeah, it, there's definitely a model that could work really well in that league, I believe. Yeah, and it was big because, I mean, I don't know if you've, like, noticed since you've been here, but this is such a big, like, football city that – John Elway like was part owner of one of the teams and it was right after at the crush and it was right after he stopped playing. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of what Yeah, the arena league used on. to be big and it, that's right. what's unfortunate. Like as a, a speaking from the football side of things, it's kind of unfortunate or I don't know what the word is, but it's really hard. If you don't make the NFL, like where do you go? Yeah. Right? Like at least there's every other sport has developmental teams or yeah. some type of tier system where you you're there, you're still right. playing. Whereas, you know, football, if you're not playing in the NFL, you you're not playing games, right? Which then, like, like that's same how you as get better. Every, right? every sport, like to play yeah. rugby, I'm here now. They're like, hey, unfortunately, I'm gonna throw you in the fire and see how you right. do, right? But <laughs> that's kind of the whole, you know, how this idea for this program was birthed. And I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day. It's like, you're right. That's the only league. The NFL is the only league that doesn't have a developmental league, and that's why I hope that you know, just as a football fan, one of these spring things hits, 100%. right? Like the XFL, the, I thought the AAF was on to something like when they rolled out. It seemed it, right? Yeah. I agree with that. And until like what's going to make them work, I think is that they're going to have to prove that it's successful. They're going to have to survive for five years. The NFL invests all this money. And then it's like you have farm teams, right? And how, like how much better is that going to make football, you know, because it's no. then it's like, the quality of play is better. These players are working. At, it's like high school, right? Like the freshman team runs the same play as a varsity mm-hmm. team. So you're just in the same system. You can call guys up and they know what they're doing. You know, it's not all foreign. I think that's what eventually will happen, but somebody has to do it, right? So well, no, 100%. And at the end of the day, it just needs to be the NFL putting a stamp of approval on a league right. and actually backing it. And you and it's like hard to blame them because why would they do it if they don't, you know, see that it works or if it's not – they don't believe in it, you know, so they – the, a, a league has to come along and prove themselves first, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think once they get a taste of how, like, the, the farm, system, like, in terms of the players and the grooming, once they – if it ever gets to a point where they can see how much it works, right? I think they'll be like, oh, yeah, wow. Big like, believer, like, we should have done this a while ago because yeah, this we, makes a product so exactly. much better and it's more tickets to sell, like, uh-huh. all that stuff. So. I know it would never happen. We always joked as friends. We always said, like, it would be cool to have that developmental league and then, like, soccer or, like, yeah. I don't know if it's the same oh, in rugby with regulation, right? Yeah. Like, the <laughs> top team plays the worst team. And, like, uh, that would be something. And who knows, man, that might be what happens. Like, gosh, yeah. A little more, uh, a little more at stake, you know yes. what I'm saying? I'd be worried about the Broncos this year, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't get them right now. <laughs> Me either. Uh so I saw your Instagram post this morning. Uh, you were you were a quarterback in the All American oh. that show. Is that allowed? Are we allowed? To yeah, talk that's about funny. That? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not. Yeah, we could talk about because I yeah. saw it, it aired. Um, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, so what's what episode is it then? Uh, honestly, I haven't even gone through yet. I okay. know I was just doing some extra stuff. I know I'm getting hit in some some scenes. Oh, nice. But, uh, but yeah, it was funny. I was like living in San Diego. Yeah. Um, I saw this. Uh, so some guys had told me like, "Hey, you should try to like do some extra work. Like, not to, like you." 
you kind of just fit the bill. Not, yeah. And I actually saw an Instagram post for a casting call for the show, and I put my name in and went through a couple of processes. And next thing you know, I found myself on nice, set. Man. Yeah, it was a cool experience. I, again, I have no film industry. <laughs> like, I have no idea what that yeah. world's like. So it was really weird to be out there and be like, oh, I, that guy's like a real actor, and there's cameras everywhere. And you get paid cool. for that? You don't have to tell me how much. Yeah, just, I did. Okay, yes. nice. yeah. So it's not just a resume no, builder. It's exactly. not like they're just... Come on down. No, yeah, it was cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, like, what did the, how long was, like, the shoot? Were you only there for a day? What was that like? Yeah, so that's what's wild. Like, I was there for a total of two days. Okay. Um, over, like, like it was one day, and then three weeks later, there was another day. But basically, like, you're, I got there, I think I was on set at, like, 6 a.m. and mm. leave at, like, 7 p.m. And you're just in football pads all day. They're uh -huh. shooting. And I never, that's what I mean by the the film world's cool. Like I didn't realize that we're filming scenes for like this episode and then like, right. we take lunch break and then we're filming scenes for this episode and this episode. And they, yeah, they're very organized. They gotta, yeah, you gotta get it while you can. <laughs> exactly. Um, so how are you liking rugby so far? Cause is this your first taste? I know you said yeah, your dad this, played. Yeah. So did you know anything about it before you got here? Really small amount. Um, again, my dad briefly mentioned it. Like he played, he was a medical medical school he played. So it's not, it wasn't professional rugby, but he knows the game. And then my best friend's dad, I don't know to what extent was a high level USA oh, rugby nice. guy back in the day. Yeah. Um, then living in Europe, got a little, little taste, yeah. but uh, that's, that's it to be honest with you. And, yeah. uh, it's been a, it's been a pretty smooth transition though. I'm not going to lie. That's um, good. Co the coaching staff's done a great job. They do a great job. Um, not only like laying out like a plan of like, Hey, if you want to be good, this is what you're going to like, mm -hmm. you're going to have to commit to it. And that's what's I came here to do. Like I'm not, I'm not just, didn't just come here to collect a paycheck and, you know, yeah. um, go play rugby. I'm going to try to be the best that I can be and not, awesome, not waste man. any time, you know, it's refreshing to hear. And that's one of the things like with everybody in the program that I've actually been very impressed with, because when this whole idea like launched, I kind of thought that, you know, like the first group of people, like back in November of 2020, I kind of thought that people would come in and be like halfway in, halfway out, you know, and that really hasn't been the case. Everyone's taking it very serious from the beginning. They're coming here to, and maybe it takes a little bit, which I think is fair. Like it takes a minute to, to get in here and realize this is actually fun and kind of like something you want to pursue. But once that moment kind of hits for them, everybody's been super professional about it and that's been really cool for me to see just from the outside looking in no for sure and that, that's it's been everyone's obviously different but i yeah. think from what i was saying earlier about my age and my experience yeah. and some playing for a lot of different teams over the years um it was really refreshing to get here it's very easy to buy in mm -hmm. from the top down mark pete all the way down through the coaching staff everyone involved with this organization is top-notch genuine people um, you don't get that everywhere. Like yeah. that's what people don't understand. Like <laughs> everyone thinks oh, I want to play pro sports, but like go to that lot. Like yeah. it's like a community. Each team, like right. some communities aren't very good. Like it's just falling apart for mm -hmm. whatever reasons. But this one right here, very easy to buy into. It's interesting you say that too, because when Tony Tupo was here, and Tony was probably the guy with the most NFL experience on the team. Like he had, you know, had was on the active roster for the Seahawks for a couple of years, played with the Falcons. I think he played for like five or six That's years awesome. for a couple different teams. And he said that this was – like he liked being here because it felt like college again. Like everyone's kind of living, you know, in the same area. Everyone's making like comparable money. Like you're all you're just all kind of in it together, like just trying to make it, right? Yeah, you for sure. You kind of get that same vibe? Oh, 100%. It's cool. Like like you just said, we all live in that – the yeah. I don't know what you want to call that area, yeah. but the apartment area right there, across yeah. the street – 
so yeah, we, we're seeing each other all day, every day. It makes it easy for us to get mm -hmm. extra work, watch film, go meet with coaches, hang out together. Um, and like you just said, when it, at the end of the day, the teams I've been on that are best, the best teams I've been on, the teams I've won rings with mm -hmm. or championships with, had the closest locker rooms. Uh -huh. There was no rifts. Everyone was close. And you generally had that feeling each week when you go out, like we're playing for each other. Like right. we're in this together. That's awesome, man. Uh, I know going back to something you said about playing in the, the arena league and how you like the cerebral aspect of playing quarterback. Do you get that in rugby? I would feel like that's got to be mm -hmm. pretty similar, right? Yeah, so 100%. Like, obviously, the first couple of weeks I was here, I was spinning. Like, mm -hmm. you're still trying to grasp, like, the foundations of rugby. Like, what is like what is the goal here? Right. Like, that's how my brain works. Like, what is the what are we trying to accomplish with this play or these moves or just in general how this game works? And as it's come together, it's just been, it's been, it's been addicting, honestly. Mm. As I've started to figure that out, now I can watch film and I'm starting to like, oh, like I, that yeah. makes sense. Or now I know why we do that drill or this drill. And it's all just been cool for me personally, like in the last week or two, especially like it's just starting, to, I'm feeling comfortable out there. It's mm -hmm. not, I'm not lost. I'm not, you know. I just know I need to, at the end of the day, do my job and yeah. make sure I'm not the liability <laughs> and I'll be all right. That's a good rule of thumb in life, I yes, think, just 100%. in general. Uh, so I know you said you've been like kind of working your way. You're playing fullback primarily, but playing a little bit more 10, is that something that you could see yourself doing? Is that kind of like – because I know um, Colby Lange was here last year. He played quarterback at Kentucky and I was personally excited to see because that was like the first like real quarterback and now – you're here. You're the, the, I think you're the second, like, true. You played quarterback. Like, that's what you do. Um, and a lot of people have kind of thought, just as this program takes off and just in general in rugby in the United States, like, quarterbacks would make good tens and nines, right? Because it's kind of you're directing the flow of traffic. You're making all these decisions. You're running an offense. Is 100%. That, is that something you're kind of looking forward to getting more into, or or how has that been going? Yeah, so um, honestly, when I first got here, I didn't know what I was going to play. They threw me yeah. at, uh, the the wing. We'll put it in the group of wing positions. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, that's a that's a good place to put a new yeah, athletic guy, yeah, right? So, yeah, Just get the ball to exactly. him, let him run. <laughs> so then, uh, you know, as the time went on, I found myself at fullback and and ten, a little switch here and there. But uh, yeah, they're very cerebral positions. It's like fullbacks more the defensive side, at least. Yeah, I know because it's I'm a lot new. of directing traffic exactly, from making back sure there too. To like your defense is set, watching that you're watching the offense and trying mm -hmm. to set your defense, um, make sure everyone's on the right page. But the ten positions more like I would say the quarterback. Yeah, I know. I forget who I was talking to, Coach Baum or one of the coaches, but they said like basically, it's in the rugby world. It's been said like. A they don't think a quarterback can switch to 10-15, yeah, right? People say that now, there's time. two things I'll say that. One, from the football side of things, I'm happy to be here because quarterbacks do have a little bit of a stigma. Not all yeah. of them, but right? It's like you guys are soft or you don't want to line yeah. up and hit, right? Yeah. I want to change that because I love contact. <laughs> yeah. I call me weird or whatever, but like I always said to people, why do, why do you never slide or whatnot? I'm like, at the end of the day, it's my opportunity to lay lay some yeah. wood. Like, I have to stand back be, there be all the game hammer, right? and throw, throw <laughs> the damn ball and get smoked. So now it's my opportunity. But uh, So that's the one stigma of quarterbacks. I want to come and just like, we're tough guys too. Mm -hmm. Like, we can do that. But uh, it is, going back to the cerebral and the 10 to 15, like, it def you, there's definitely a trend. It's helping me that I played a position that required a lot of communication, mm -hmm. a lot of organizing people and like making sure we're running smoothly so 
I think that's really helping me in that position and, and seeing the flow of things. And like I said, now that I'm understanding our plays and what we're trying to accomplish, I can start to see the bigger pictures and keep working on trying to advance yeah. myself in those areas. That's awesome, man. I know you said the transition was pretty easy, and I'm glad you talked about the physicality, but has it been kind of hard to like work in some of this tackling? Because when was the last time you like did tackling <laughs> well, stuff? The only time I ever had to tackle someone was when I threw a pick, yeah, a yeah. pick obviously. But, uh, yes, honestly, never my whole life. Wow. Um, never, yeah, never had to tackle someone as wow. a job, quote, unquote. But, yeah. Uh, it's been – that's what I was, I was actually talking to my brother last night. He played uh, corner at Delaware. Oh, cool. So we were. I was talking about tracking and defense yesterday, and I, and because he had mentioned he had watched our game and said something like, "Oh, you actually look decent open field tackling." Uh-huh. And I said that was the biggest thing I was nervous about coming here. I was really wanted to work not so much the actual tacking, tackling, but tracking. Yeah, like tracking a like person. I've never had to do all that, that my whole life. Right. So I've been really trying to focus on that because I know how important that is in me. Yeah. Like I'm not not like agile but i know there's some really agile people out there so you got to be careful here and there but Uh it's coming along well nice man have you had a moment i like to ask people this i've played rugby for a little bit and i know you're a few months in now like do you remember a moment when it kind of clicked for you and you realized that this was fun because i know you said you're spinning but there has to be a moment where it all kind of like clicks maybe it's the first time you play in a match maybe it's the first time you score or something like that. Sure. A lot of people have said it's the first time they've like successfully like poached a ball. Or they're yeah, like, this funny. looks so hard, and I finally did it, and we got the ball back, and everyone's pumped up for yeah, me. Yeah, no, like, for sure. It's yeah. I think in my progression, it's been kind of funny. Like, I got thrown into the Water Dogs game yeah. like four days after I started playing rugby. <laughs> so that first four days, obviously, was the days I was really spinning. After uh-huh. playing a full game, though, yeah, you kind of like now you start to see how like penalties are called mm-hmm. or like when a line out is when a scrum is like you know you get a feel yeah. for the game so that was the step one and then we went to rugger fest and then i played a game in park city mm-hmm. with the water dogs like two weeks after that was kind of the game where i was like all right like i was out there i played full 80 i didn't feel lost and then moving forward like i got to play i was very fortunate to get some time in the u.s game oh and nice even yeah. then like it's always nice as an athlete. You like you're playing. Yeah, they're the U23s, but still they're the are US U23 yeah. prospects. Like, okay, I can hang with these guys. Like, okay, let's keep moving forward here. I mean, this is no disrespect to the Water Dogs at the competition you're playing on the Water Dogs, but to go from playing in a Water Dogs match to the USA U23s and what was that like <laughs> six two, weeks? Two week period. Three oh, two week, week period. three yeah, weeks. Yeah. That is that is a big jump. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was it was quite fast and. Yeah. Uh, but that's what all goes back to, like, the coaching staff. Like, I know yeah. this is a little different off note, but, like, I trust these guys. Again, going back to how the comfort level I feel here, mm-hmm. I know they're not going to put any player in a position to to fail or or and if they didn't think you were ready, they're not going to throw you in a game. Right. So that is always a nice thing to have as well. So I have confidence in them. So knowing that they're going to put me in the game means, all right, they trust me, so I should trust myself. That's good. That's good to hear. That's a good way to look at it, too. I know you, you said you had a relationship with Sean Clark already. Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions about Sean and then just a few more just about yeah, – and then we'll sure. wrap good it up. So, stretch. Uh, uh, Sean, yes. Yeah, so are, have you been kind of surprised to see – how well he's done in this so fast like he he came in um and it's funny like you said that you're you know you're not just coming into because the first conversation I ever had with Sean was in January of 2021 so like he had just gotten here we did the podcast I wish I was still recording but I stopped recording and he goes listen man this is cool and all 
I'm just doing this till I get a football opportunity. Oh, really? Yeah, he told, and I brought, I told this to him. I think I'm okay to say this because I've, I've been working on this project, and I asked him about it in June. He's like, I remember that conversation vividly, but like that was before like I realized like how cool of a sport this was and how much this has done for me and all this stuff. And and then he told me um, that he he did get an opportunity and he turned it down because he's like just really enjoying playing rugby and he really realizes like how impactful of a sport this has been in mm-hmm. his life um so just kind of like from what you've known about sean like is is he the same guy as he was before like yeah. has he always been this kind of like determined to be the best at everything he's doing yeah sean sean's uh an interesting story like i said i met him a little later on like it's it's a small small world he went to monmouth university That's what I was, well he's a new jersey guy too right well he's from new york but oh okay he I'm Sorry, from no, like- yeah. So I'm from 20 <laughs> minutes. I grew up 20 minutes from Monmouth University. Okay. So when I was doing the pro day training and I was back in New Jersey, uh-huh. it's hard to find receivers, obviously, yeah. that are the level you want. Right. And Monmouth University was right there, so I went to go throw with him. So I met Sean. Um, it's funny. We actually had this talk last night. He told me it took Pete. I think he told me it took Pete like eight months. That's what he like, told me. Peter told me that literally yesterday. Yeah, grilling him <laughs> like, come play rugby, come play yeah. rugby. How do I convince you to come play rugby? Um, but it's funny then, obviously, he said I came here. and I mean, I, I've been talking to him for years, so I know where he's been. But it was weird to train with him at Monmouth. And then, like, I don't know what time frame went by, but obviously we're busy. We're athletes. We're doing our own thing at this time. Next thing I know I see on Instagram, like, world's tallest rugby winger in the yeah, world. Yeah. I'm like, what? The, like, <laughs> when did this happen? Like, wait, you were playing. I was done with yeah. you a year ago, yeah. and you were with the Colts, I thought. Like, yeah. now you're playing pro rugby? Like, how does that work? That's when I reached out to him. And it was just... He, he talked to me, basically said the kind of same thing. He's like, I know it's going to be hard. Like, you know, you're, 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 I'm a quarterback. I played football for yeah. 16 or 17 years. Like, you want to come play a different sport and not only play a different sport, but play at a pro level. Like, the first thing you have is like, can I do this? Right. But it was cool. Sean, Sean, uh, Sean talked me, you know, motivated me. I saw his posts over the, like the course after that of all the rugby posts. He's a big limitless guy. He's That's yeah. what his thing is. I'm kind of bought into that. And it's true. That's how I live my life. Like, like even with the Netflix thing or anything I've ever yeah. done in my life, like if I have a thought and like the opportunities there, take it. Why not? Yeah. Like you only have one, like, uh, one like Todd Durkin, my trainer, he's, mm-hmm. he's all about live a life worth telling a story about. Like, I want to be able to tell my grandkids all the cool stuff. Not yeah. just that, you know, I did this, I got a job and here I am like right. just doing the same thing. And one of the things that that's interesting you say that because one of the things just talking I've had been fortunate enough to talk to all you guys like from the beginning of this program right like back in the MLR days so I've been here with the transition like I've seen everything change and I I've been very inspired by the people that I've talked to like you guys that they don't say no to things like because I can I know how scary it would be to like you said you've never played rugby before. You're moving to a place. A lot of these people, you know, these players have never been here. They've never been to Denver. Like, they're moving to a place they've literally never been before, doing something they've never done, and they're having a good time. Like, they're just making the best of it. And so that's been inspiring to me, just, like, say yes to things that come your way and, like, explore these opportunities because, you're right, that's what it's about. You never know either. Like, how many either jobs I've had in the past or opportunities have opened up from those random opportunities that I said yes from. And then I met somebody there and then – Next thing you know, you're on a different adventure. It's, right. it's, it's cool. Yeah, that's that's been inspiring to me. So aside from Sean, though, like who else has kind of been the biggest help to you on the team? 
Um, yeah, so it, it helped a lot coming here just off rip, like knowing Sean, but I also knew Lamar Ray. Okay. So yeah. Lamar Ray and me were roommates in San Diego for the wow. arena team. And then actually Devontae Lynch was also. So on did that you arena. know that they were here before? So me and I actually, I'm not taking credit for it, <laughs> but Lamar was, me and Lamar were playing arena. And I kind of said one day, like we were going through our, you know, our own stuff and making life choices. And I said, you know what? I'm going to play rugby. Like, you look like you could be a pretty damn good rugby player. Let me talk. Like, would you be interested? Let me talk to Pete for you. And yeah. next thing you know, he talked to Pete. We, I set up a call, and now Lamar's here, too. So yeah. what I was getting at is nice. I came in knowing three people on this that team. That is super helpful. And I knew Pete pretty well. So yeah. comfort level there. Um, from when I Since I've been here, everyone's been awesome help. Um, my position group, though, like Dakota, um, Samu, Lene, mm -hmm. I know that people have been in and out with the USA stuff yeah. going on, but everyone that's been here, especially in my positions, has been nothing but but helpful to me. Um, I ask a lot of questions, yeah. and I can be annoying, but is is that uncommon? Because I feel like that's like something unique to rugby. I could be wrong, but I, because I haven't played as high level as football as you, but it seems like people in football, just in general, are like way more protective of like their spot, their spot, their yeah. territory, right? I think it, it. I think it just goes back to the person, because mm. again, it even happens in football. Um, it, well, it happens in all sports. I've seen it in all sports. Yeah. Uh, there's just some people who aren't good. I think it's a leadership quality, because you have to be able to suck it up and and know, understand like, all right, I'm on this team. What's best for this team? Like, mm -hmm. even if that means you have to suck it up and say, I'm not better than him. Right. Like he's the best option for us. So I think. Again, it all goes back to building this team and these guys on this team. The management does a great job of bringing good people in so yeah. that we don't have problems like right. that. Because those are the little problems that start to, to fray into bigger problems as seasons move on. Or, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? People, yeah. people start to butt heads. Yes. And that's not good. I wanted to ask you before you left because I didn't know you knew Devontae. But, but what's Devontae like? Because it was fun for me at Aspen. Because he turned a lot of heads out of it. He was running really hard. He scored a couple of tries, and people were like, who is that guy? And I'm like, oh, that guy's related to Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Can't you tell? He runs just like – like, the, he runs super hard. So what's Devontae like? Because he's – like, the, the interaction I've had with him seems like a great guy, like the nicest guy Oh, yeah. Guy no, he's the he's the man. Uh, yeah. Me and Devontae got very close in San Diego yeah. as well. Um, yeah, he uh, he's a very unique unique kid um, yeah. in a good way. Yeah. He does his own thing. He, he – uh, he always got your back. I yeah. promise you that. Yeah, he's just a good dude. I promise yeah. you. Like you, you had a talk with him already. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. had a couple chats with him. Yeah, I'm sure. I need to get him on the podcast. I was gonna say you have to because he's right, he's I'll, definitely like a character for this kind thing. of stuff. I will. I'll talk good. to him. Yeah, right, he lives perfect. next door to me, so I'll there tell you go. Him. Yeah, see. Thank you, thank you, Steve. Another benefit of us living <laughs> yeah. all right there. That is nice. All right, Steve. I think that's all the questions I had for man. This was awesome. This was, yeah, I, really no, I appreciate this. that for sure. Cool. I usually leave the last part. If there's anything you want to push, feel free. Um, but other than that, I'm good. So thank you so yeah, much for not, the time, not man. Not much, yeah. I appreciate Go Raptors, it. baby. Yeah. All right. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that interview with uh, American Raptors fullback Steve Cooley. I know I certainly did. Again, big thank you, Steve, coming in on his day off, chatting with me for a little bit. Really enjoyed it. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the required reading portion of the show, and that's brought to you by Gilbert Rugby. Gilbert is the official rugby equipment supplier of the American Raptors. Visit worldrugbyshop.com to grab all of your Gilbert Rugby gear. Uh, the required reading this week is... is Titled Big Decisions Looming for Major League Rugby by America's Rugby News. Uh, this piece does a good job kind of packaging up everything that we talked about a little bit at the top of the show. Um, just kind of what's going on with MLR, what, what it's the, the, motion, the wheels in motion, all that good stuff. 
Um, as always, I'll link that article in the article that houses this podcast as well as the description of this podcast. So if you're interested in reading it, you can just scroll down, click the link. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump into the stat of the week now. Stat of the week is presented by Catapult. Catapult is committed to making performance technology available to athletes at all levels, whether it's the biggest teams and organizations in world sport or amateur rugby players. Catapult helps monitor performance like the pros. For more information, visit catapultsports.com. So the stat of the week this week is actually a stat of the week, very literally. I want to talk a little bit about the American Raptors match against Life University. So uh, Cash Malawia led the way on defense, and the Raptors lost to Life last weekend with 11 tackles, which is not surprising if you know anything about Cash's background. I talked about him a little bit on the podcast I put out two episodes ago, I think. It was the grab bag. Uh, so he was a first-round All-Mountain West linebacker at the University of Wyoming and was a sixth-round draft pick by the New England Patriots in 2020. So he is a tackling machine. Defense is his specialty, and everybody I've talked to has had good things to say about his transition to rugby and, and what to be excited about and what to expect. Um, and tackling is one of the things he does very well, so it's not surprising, uh, something I'm sure we'll see a lot more of as things move forward. Uh, and he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on because he, he does come from a little bit of a rugby background, which is probably why he was such a good football player and why he's having such an a easier time transitioning back to the sport he played when he was he was younger. That's a, the stat of the week I picked. Uh, we'll be back next week with a little bit more stat of the week. There's, there's actual Raptors matches going on right now, so it's easier to pick stats of the week now. Um, but we will get back to, to some more fun stuff too once, we, once rugby slows down a little bit. So... Uh, we'll go ahead and close the show with The Loop. Loop is presented by First Bank, and First Bank is the official banking partner of Infinity Park. They believe in banking for good, doing their best to do right by their customers, communities, and employees. Banking for good, member FDIC. Are you following along uh, with DNVR on Twitter? You should be, because if you were, you know we have a, a little giveaway going this last week. The way you follow along on Twitter is at DNVR underscore rugby and at Colton Strickler. And if you're following along, you would have known we're giving away a copy of our friend Adam Hughes' book, This is Rugby. Talked a little bit about it on the podcast last week. Uh, but there's been some changes to the giveaway because we also added in a DNVR t-shirt and a hat. So, the winner of the giveaway is Stephanie Roche. Congrats, Stephanie. Reach out to you on Twitter. We'll get your book, your DNVR hat, and your t-shirt in the mail. Thank you to everybody that entered. Uh, we did have a good turnout, so it was fun to to see you know it kind of reach a little bit wider audience than we usually do. Um, and I know I've been I've been teasing it up for months, but I am actually done with this piece. Just kind of ran out of time this week, um, but I will have the Sean Clark piece out next week. Worked hard on it. I think it's good. Um, talked to some some interesting people about it, and we'll be getting that out early next week. So make sure you follow along on Twitter. Be the first to see that at dnvr underscore rugby. And that does it for the show this week. So thank you to everybody for listening. Um, I hope you had a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy all the matches this weekend. I'll catch you all back here next Friday.